It's almost over, guys. 2020 is almost behind us. As we enter the month of December on Let's Talk Dope's podcast, I want to thank all my listeners and all the fans of the podcast for your support. I'm asking for one thing for you guys. I'm trying to push our reviews over 250 reviews. So go to Apple Podcasts and give Let's Talk Dubs a review. Listen to the end of this podcast to make sure you hear the shout-outs for the people that did reviews last week. To hear your name on the podcast, make sure you leave a five-star review and put comments about how you feel about the podcast, good or bad. Bad, write them on a cocktail napkin, tell them to your partner, and uh, throw it away. (laughs) We're also going to be doing some things coming up here, like live streaming. Uh, I've got some equipment so we can start doing some live streams. I may do a couple live streams a month. Make sure you guys subscribe to our YouTube channel so you do not miss the live stream alerts because you will get alerts when we go live uh, with that. We'll probably do a roundtable format and I may bring in guests. I may use local people. It's just really a spin of the wheel, man. So I'm looking forward to doing that because I love doing it and I just have I have the greatest time when I'm busting on my buddies or we're just uh, chopping it up about some nonsense with uh, everything going on in the VW scene. What's new with me? Let me see see when i shot down a phoenix i gave buddy a bunch of parts for my split and then what else checked out the show been cruising the carbon cab she's running decent been really contemplating i got i got an offer in to a guy right now i know guys hold on to your seats i got an offer into a guy right now to buy his subaru and i could potentially be doing a subaru conversion on my square back so i've been going back and forth because i got a motor sitting on the shelf for it but i really would love to see you know if i put that thing uh into subi power how she's going to react i would love to just have the wagon be the bulletproof uh load her up and hit the road whether i'm doing podcasts or driving to shows uh, you put a little Subi in that square back and you got enough room inside it and they drive so nice. Uh, I'd love to do a little Subi conversion on that. So who knows? Maybe on the next podcast you might hear that I swooped up on a Subaru. We might be starting the conversion process. And when that takes place, we are still going to uh, do some podcasts coming up. I've been looking for some people to do some Subaru podcasts. So if you guys know the heavy hitters that know what they're doing when it comes to Subaru conversion, send them my way. Make sure you send them my way so we can get them on the podcast. I know a lot of guys out there are doing the Subi conversions, and I think it's a great idea. Uh, and I also, there's a lot of guys doing it, so it's something topical, and I'm not ashamed to do a little Subi, do a little Type 4, do a little something different. So that's where we're going to be headed with that. That's just what's going on with my personal projects. The Bull Run bus, well, she's no longer the Bull Run bus because I have stripped the logo. So now you can see Bare Naked, Red and Black Attack. Going to be back on the streets looking for victims. And uh, we're going to make an actual mobile podcast. Do a nice little U-bench in there, get her set up. Can't wait to crack open the rag top and enjoy. So hopefully I'm mostly positive that that, car will be at the grand national roadster show for all you guys to come by the podcast bus if you're a fan of the podcast um i also have uh, the opportunity to be in a booth indoors so i may have the bus set up indoors at a booth to do some podcasting so um we'll be doing live streams for sure from the grand national roadster show uh, so don't forget, guys, make sure you guys go and register for the Grand National Roadster Show. If you guys have clubs that want to park together, roll in together, go get registered. Do it before it gets full because it's going to get full. Um, it's going to be probably a, one of the biggest shows coming up this year because Volkswagens are finally taking their place in Building 9 at the Grand National Roadster Show. So I'm super excited. Find out more information at rodshows.com. And the dates for this show, because I know I kind of gloss over some of these things, is May 14th through the 16th. May 14th through the 16th, 
and make sure you get going on that. Now, for you guys up in Northern California, the Sacramento Autorama is April 9th through the 11th. So, But the one with the Volkswagens being on display, where you go see Chop Rod, you're going to see quite a few cars out there. And I'm stoked to be able to be a part of this. And you guys should too. Be a part of history. Be at that show. When your grandkids are looking at those pictures from the Grand National Road Show when the Volkswagens were there, you'll be like, there's me. There's me and my primary bug with my blue smoothies. <laughs> Without any further ado, guys, we're going to get into this week's podcast, episode number 99, Luftcraft Fabrication. These guys are out of Colorado Springs. It's uh, it's Chris and Mark. They've been uh, doing things for a few years and putting out some really unique stuff. And I love their style because they don't follow the typical style of the VW guy. They've got they pull influences from different directions, and you can see it in their execution. And it's really kind of a, a classic vintage performance kind of style that they have. And I dig what I've been seeing from these guys. And we pinned them down. And we chatted up for about an hour in the podcast. So it's a great podcast this week. But then again, who are we lying to? They're all great, right? Well, without any further ado, guys, let's get into it this week with Chris and Mark from Luftcraft Fabrication on Let's Talk Dubs. A Volkswagen is a nice station wagon to have around the house. The 1974 Volkswagen, covered by BW Motors. Okay, everybody. So on this week's show, I've got a couple of guys out of um, Colorado Springs, Colorado, and they've been doing some pretty unique stuff. I first ran across uh, a car that they had a, a large part in some fabrication work and some things on it that uh, was at Prado a couple years ago. And since then, I've been following them on Instagram. Uh, on today's show, we've got uh, Chris and Mark with Luftcraft Fabrication. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Hey, so as you guys know, the way we normally start this, and I really want to get into a lot of what you guys do, but because I got two of you on here, um, we always start the podcast off with what's your VW story and how'd you get into Volkswagen? So uh, first, I think we'll start with uh, Mark and then we'll go to Chris. So how did you guys, how did you get into Volkswagens? Oh gosh, when when I was a kid, um, we had a neighbor that had a, I want to say it was a 66 or 67 split window bus. And, uh, they used to, they used to babysit my sister and I, and he was just a really cool guy. His name was Mike. And he would take us out in his bus and do all the things that my parents wouldn't do for us, like feed us candy and <laughs> all kinds of fun stuff like that. So honestly, that's probably my first, uh, that was my first experience with, with Volkswagens. And it was just a good experience, mostly because of who the guy was. And, uh, after that, you know, my uncles and, and my dad and, and everybody was just kind of into Volkswagens and always kind of wrenching on them. So I was exposed to them that way. And, uh, you know, I'd say in the mid 80s or so, like right out of high school, I, I started uh, or actually in high school, I would say I started kind of working on them myself. And I got a 72 Westphalia um, bus that I that I did a bunch of work to and did a bunch of stuff the wrong way and learned a lot. And had my uncles there and my dad to kind of help out with it, even though they didn't, they didn't know much either, but they knew more than I did. Right. And, uh, that's kind of, that's kind of how I got into it. And ever since then, I've, I've been into it. I probably had uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of probably 20, 25 Volkswagens and, um, just love them and, you know, been into them ever since. And 
I'm into them more as much as I ever have been. So, um, love them. No, that's that's a that's a rad beginning. I mean, a, a lot of us start out that way with a with the first introduction in that respect to uh, you know family and friends that have them. Um, yeah. But Chris, what's your what's your introduction to Volkswagens? Uh, mine's a little bit different for sure. Um, I'm a I'm a little bit um, different generation than Mark. We're about ten years apart, so Mark's definitely more into the seeing you know growing up with sort of that era of Volkswagen where I was more like Gen 1 Golf GTI, Gen 2 Golf GTI, you know, Mark 1s and Mark 2s. Water pumper. My, yeah, my dad was uh, my dad was a pilot in the Canadian Air Force, and he spent a lot of time overseas in my, what I like to call formative years, you know, 16, 17, 18. And those cars were prevalent everywhere, and I just kind of lusted after them. And, you know, I had a bunch of Mark 1 GTIs and stuff like that. Um, well, not a bunch, but dabbled in them here and there, and but was never really, you know, my dad wasn't super into cars and was never really all that mechanically inclined originally. Um, but it just kind of planted the seed. I was always really into cars, um, going to car shows and looking at cars. But, you know, it really took being exposed to the real vintage Volkswagen scene through guys like Mark and other guys here in town when I eventually moved here um, in my 30s that really got me into that kind of scene. I mean, I always, I'd always known about vintage Beetles and um, buses and stuff like that, but never really laid hands on them or really owned one or been into them until sort of that exposure. And, uh, yeah, that kind of came to fruition. And once, once the hook was set, it just kind of went from there, you know, there's no going back. Right. Uh, my dad was always really into Beatles, um, and early Volkswagens, but we never really owned any. We traveled a lot. We moved every year or every couple of years. So it wasn't really all that conducive to have garages and cars and stuff. So I think what happened was you just build that lust over years and years and years. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in a position to, get into it and acquire it, you know, and, uh, start working on it and you just take that leap, you know? So, and so Mark, you're from Colorado Springs and then Chris, you move there and meet Mark. Yep. Yep. Long story short. Yeah. So yeah, we met, I, I'm originally from Canada by birthright and moved down here to work, um, and ended up meeting Mark sort of through communal the lo- friends, the local community, local yeah. community. I just happened to rent a house that was owned by a, a local guy who was big into Volkswagens and knew Mark and we just kind of met in passing, you know, and Mark was big into Volkswagens and kind of started paddling around and tinkering. And I bought a, bought a Volkswagen bus and, you know, just kind of steamrolled, you know, yeah. snowballed from there, I guess. Well, it's, it's funny because the, the mods you guys do, and I want to start getting, I want to get into that in a little bit, but it's, you know, you like, you go from like water pumper, which the first thing with a water pumper is like performance geared, like new speed and lowered and, and strut tire braces and all this kind of stuff. And then you go like bus, you take this quantum leap back 50 years, but there's just something so cool about a bus. And then to, to add another layer to that, like a performance bus, cause it's so oxymoronic, you know what I mean? And, and, oh and, yeah, for and, sure. And, and, yeah. and that's the style with your guys' buses. And you guys that are listening can check out the details on the podcast, and there'll be a link to pictures of all, all a lot of their creations that they have. So now you guys meet, and then it, it now, Chris, you said you weren't super hands on in the beginning. Like you slowly, as you got into Volkswagen, which which that's how you cut your teeth on VWs. Like you're either gonna work on them or you're getting out of the scene type thing. Yeah, I mean, realistically, I wasn't really in a position, so my wife would tell you this better than anybody, but I wasn't really in a position to get into vintage cars. I mean, I had a had a decent job, but it was Monday through Friday, 9 to 5 corporate America stuff. I moved down here for it, um, 
bought a vintage Volkswagen. The house we were renting at the time didn't even have a garage to put it in, so I was relying on other dudes that were in the scene to, you know, show me the way and show me the ropes. I really knew nothing about it. I, I, I say I wasn't mechanically inclined, meaning I'd never worked on cars before, really, necessarily. But I've always been kind of mechanically inclined. It sort of came naturally, I would say. Um, but, you know, Mark's been working on cars for 30 years. And tooling and, you know, fabricating in general, and I was not doing that. I don't allude to anybody to the fact that I was, you know, a fabricator or anything. But, like I said, it was just got that spur, bought the car, and then it was kind of like, well, you're going to learn how to restore it or you're going to have to give up the hobby because I wasn't in a position, <laughs> nor am I now, to pay somebody to restore a car for me, right? Well, so. that's it. Well, you you crossed the line into the, the, the world of high-end Volkswagen fabrication where everyone's rich and famous on that side. So, <laughs> but it's, it's truly a, you know, and that's what I find with a lot of people that, that are in the, in the business, my brother included, my brother owns a shop, the wagon and, and anybody they know that, that starts from a hobby and that evolves into a business, they really do it for the, for the love of the hobby, like the love of the hobby and the, and the ability to create and those types of things. Now, how did you guys get to the point where like both of your working day jobs, you guys are kind of. Did the shop start as like a weekend thing? Like, hey, we both need space to work on something. Let's rent something. And then it evolved into like, bam, let, let's just do this full time. Like, how does that evolution come about? Uh, there were a bunch of there were a bunch of things that, that kind of play into that. Um, we did it on on weekends, kind of just as a hobby thing for a while, because I owned a, a powder coating and finishing shop. Um, but I, I loved working on cars and I did a lot of that on the side. And Chris would come over to my garage at, at my house. I had a big garage where I had a bunch of fabrication tools and mills and welders and stuff. And we just kind of did it on evenings and weekends for a while. And and then it came time that I just kind of I wanted to move on and sell my powder coating business. And we just decided together that uh, once I sold it, um, we would go ahead and just make Loopcraft a full time deal um, and turn it from a hobby into a business. And uh, that's that's kind of how that that happened. Um, I sold the company, the powder coating company, and then we started Loopcraft back in, in 2013. And uh, we we've had a hard time focusing, though, because we we worked on Volkswagens pretty much exclusively Volkswagens and Porsches. And then I would say what in 14 or 15, we got a, a van. So we started doing some mods to sprinter vans, some of the camper conversion stuff. Right. And then literally that took over. And we recently, just recently pushed that away because we completely shelved all the vintage car stuff. And we were so busy with these sprinter vans that we didn't get to touch vintage cars. And, and literally I'd say six months ago, we made the, uh, the commitment to one another and, and the vintage car community that we were going to get the vans out of here and get back to vintage cars. So we're literally right on. It's, it's just starting to happen now where we're getting back into the vintage car stuff because we kind of, for a couple of years, we kind of shelved it. Well, and, and sometimes when you own a business, you know, a lot of people just see the finished product. They just see the end result and, and they don't see the hours, time, energy, and money that goes to put into those things and the monotony of doing that. And sometimes, especially with people's like their um, their projects that are not primary to to them enjoying their current life, projects will get put on hold. Things will happen, and then all of a sudden, and then when you get an opportunity for some bread and butter business coming, you're like, oh, you know what? We'll do this. This kind of pays the rent. This this allows yeah. us 
because there's that fine line like it and i think everybody that runs a business looks for it like where do you find the fine line of like you've got enough revenue coming in i mean we all wish we were jesse james right and selling a million dollars in t-shirts and then you can just start forging your own steel doing whatever you want to (laughs) do right but the reality is you know, when an opportunity like that comes up with the Sprinter vans, it's like, hey, there's nobody doing it. It's a good market. We can get in and get out. And and there's no it's, – it's different because it's like you can produce a quality product that doesn't take the time and commitment and energy it does to do car restorations because, you know, they're kind of vanilla shell and there's no, like, standard and all that kind of stuff. But but it's hard, you know, when, when you're tempted with something like that as a business owner, you're like, you know, well, let, let's kind of lean into this a little bit because it's good money and then we'll kind of – We'll have time to do that. And what happens is business just keeps coming and it keeps coming. And at some point, you, you know, you know, you're, you're in a position where you guys are apparently so committed to the hobby, man, you turn, you turn that away to get we, back to doing the, the restoration stuff. Yeah, no, we did for sure. Because the van stuff is plentiful and the money's good, it's booming. Uh, but it, it literally consumed us. We couldn't even touch, we couldn't even touch our own vintage projects, let alone anybody else's. Yeah. And that didn't make us real happy. I mean, yeah, we were bringing the money in, but at some point we, we both, it, it kind of happened for both of us at the same time without even really talking about it. We were just like, you know what? We've neglected the vintage car stuff. We love it. We really want to do that. So yeah, I mean, it's, there's, no other reason other than the love of vintage cars and the hobby. Uh, we pushed the van stuff away, which was money making, but it really wasn't where our heart was. And now once you guys formed Loofcraft, like what's the first, like your flagship car or piece or something that you put out that kind of gets your name out there? Yeah. I mean, I was doing vintage car Volkswagen stuff and early Porsche 356 stuff for years and years and years. So I had several cars kind of out there that well, people had seen. And, 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 and I, can, I can tell you there, when you sent me the workup, the blue 356, that picture is from Excellence Magazine. And like all yeah. the car guys, I've got a subscription to just about everything. And yep. when I saw this, one of my secrets when I do my cars, I steal ideas from Excellence <laughs> or let me rephrase that. I get inspired from another yeah, resource, and then we we kind of bring that in the VW world. But it's funny. As soon as I saw the dark blue 356, I'm like, I know that car. I yeah. know that. Oh, well, I don't know if it's the same car in both pictures. One looks dark, and one looks like one looks like a golf blue, and one looks like a like a real dark blue. Um, yeah. There's there's three there. I think there's three pictures there in two different cars. Okay. Yeah. 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 The, the Excellence car was definitely inspired by my first car, which was the lighter color, the azure blue. Yeah. Um, uh, coupe there and uh but yeah the car that i did for fred beach it, that was in excellence was definitely inspired by my first and that's and that a was long time ago what's that what year that was a long time ago what year was that uh the excellence car yeah the blue one that would have been that would have been probably 12 years ago yeah i mean that that's what i'm saying that was a while ago i remember seeing that car and i just thought it was i i just loved all of the all of the detail and all of the kind of the retro styling that was connected to that car, because in the Porsche world, you know, like this is a, this is a car that runs on Haterade, right? Like <laughs> you'll start doing stuff and every Porsche guy that's just into Porsches is like, I don't like it. Who do you think you are? Rod Emery. Don't do that to this car. You know, this is, you yeah. know everyone's got their opinion, but I think, you know, like I saw the car and I loved it. I'm like, oh man, I want a coupe. Like now I want a coupe. Like, you know, you, you get, you see those cars. So, um, this car, the 356 we're talking about specifically, I mean, like you took the Porsche emergency spares and punched extra holes and kind of made like a, yeah. 
Yeah. And those are super lightweight wheels too. They're super light. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of one of our, that's been one of our things. People still contact us all the time to have them, have us do those for them. Um, but yeah, you know, the Emory guys, uh, Gary and, and Rod, I dealt mostly with Gary back then, which was Rod's dad, but um, those guys inspired me a whole lot with those cars because they were kind of doing the early outlaw stuff, and I, I really kind of looked up to their work. Um, but yeah, they actually, Gary turned me on to those space savers, but then I then I decided to drill them and make them, you know, yeah. give them kind of a, a Glockler coupe, you know, or a Gamoon style, uh, you know, early Porsche look, and uh yeah, that's that's something that still haunts us to this day. People want us to do them all the time, and they're a pain in the butt. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're hard to they're hard to find and they're expensive. Hard to find. Yeah, I used to be able to find those things any any day of the week on eBay for like forty bucks a piece, and now you yeah. can't even touch them. Well, I saw the wheel, and I thought I, I in my other in my day job in my world of granite contracting, I actually own a water jet, and I was like, ah, oh, I could take a set of wheels, chalk them up on the water jet, punch some holes in them. I was like, but yeah. They're a little too thin for me because I like my sevens and nines that are that are rolling the carbon <laughs> yeah. capsule. So, but they're they're it's definitely a super cool look. Um, but you've already got a reputation in the car scene doing things like this, and this is before you have a shop. Like this is you're doing this stuff just oh, yeah. as like a hobby, or are people like, hey, this guy's got some talent, and you got a little bit of a reputation, and people bring into cars, or how's that exactly. come together? Kind of night nights and and you know weekends evenings kind of thing outside of regular work i made some money but really i did it because i loved it and uh but yeah i mean like that car that was in excellence i worked on that car weekends and evenings um my normal job and uh and yeah you know like i said i've been doing it for a long time and i even had the loop craft name for a long time before chris and i decided to actually have it be a real company um but yeah so the the 356 stuff was kind of a precursor to the Luftcraft thing going into it. What what's the first car like a Luftcraft brand type vehicle that maybe some of our VW listeners may know of? Would have been Don's Rally. Don's Don Rally Beetle, Beetle that was featured in Hot VWs. Um, and I don't remember the year or month, but it was in Hot VWs, and basically it was a it was a rally theme kind of. Outlaw with a twist themed uh, Beetle. The 62? Yeah. Yep. And on that particular car, like the bumper, like what fab work did you guys do specifically? Give me a, a layout of that car. Like what's the Luftcraft touch on that car? The whole thing? Uh, everything. We did. It was it was a decent, decent level of either original paint or early paint. I can't remember. So early repaint. Um, but yeah, pretty much everything, you know. Um, custom hood fill, off center hood fill, you know, like 356 Outlaw style hood fill in the in the hood. Full custom interior, diamond stitch leather, um, massive motor um, that was built by our friend Pat McCaffrey at the time in uh, Loveland. Um, you modern, know, modern solid state uh, gas heater. Yeah, had a um, gas heater in the back because he really wanted to drive it all year round. It, you know, yeah. he wanted to make it a real winter driver, so it had. Auxiliary auxiliary modern fuse panel with heated seats inserts in the custom upholstery. It had a yeah, Mark's right. It had a gas heater, an auxiliary gas heater under a package tray in the back. Nice. Massive motor, custom all custom paintwork, bumper overriders, auxiliary um, all kinds of accessory lighting, uh, battery kill that. switches. That's you know, yeah, just custom skid plates, um, stuff like that. So, you know, it was like a real stab at like a 
great daily driver slash vintage rally theme. You know, you see all those like Swedish rally beetles from the 1960s and stuff like that that yeah. we really drew inspiration from. And we put real winter knobby snow and ice tires on there. And I think like 356 style or steelies. Yeah, on there and then operable hood or like a roof. Yeah, we found a intake. we found a crazy rally hood la- or hood roof vent or not hood vent but roof vent. Yeah, that's yeah. you could wild. use the handle inside and it was stainless steel and you could open it up both ways in direction to provide fresh air to the cab. So we just like grabbed a bunch of different themes from different ra- eras of rally and kind of tossed it at this beetle and had fun with it. You know, no, blacked I, out the hood. And, and is it uh, you know, is it running three fifty six brakes on it? Uh, it does not. It runs a disc brake conversion, but it's got okay. 356 drum skins from uh, Sierra Madre. I think we got them from Sierra Madre. Yeah, so we got them from Sierra Madre. So it looks the part, but it has sort of like modern style. But it's braking. better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it stops. Well, it had a monster motor, and don't let Don listen to this podcast, but he drives it kind of like a fool. So Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it, it, needed, it needed to be able to stop. And it had accessory sway bars, you know, sway away sway bars sure. on and stuff like that. Camber so, compensator. Camber compensator, you know, and uh, so, well, so... Yeah, we had to be kind of responsible with that car because Chris is right, Don drives like a fool and he'll be the first one to admit it. So we had to make sure it was safe, but we yeah. wanted it to also have a, a real vintage feel to it and not put anything too modern on it. Well, you know, people think... Uh, we we used to see people do a lot of 356 brakes conversions, right? For like a, a, yeah. the vintage vibe and also better... Perf- better performance in stock Volkswagen. But the problem is a brake job is going to cost you half a grand to do the brakes on the thing. Unless yeah. you know, the old man who can reshoe the shoes. That's <laughs> yeah. right. Absolutely. But I yeah, mean, you don't know how many, how many 356 aluminum drums I bought that I thought were good, which actually had to be re relined or resleeved yeah. because they just corrode between the, you know, the, the steel braking surface and the aluminum. And yeah, yeah there's, there's no getting out of that. No, and then the, you know the the car that I the car that I first saw that you guys uh, had done some work with was uh, Craig Hart's car, right? Craig Hart is that his last name? Hart. Yeah. Yep. That car, I really, I really dug the vibe on that car. What what parts on that car were you guys involved with? You know that car actually. The person who's probably largely responsible for that car is Franz Muir from uh, KCW yeah. in Grand Junction. We did a lot. We had a lot of influence as far as style, and we did do a lot, a fair amount of fabrication on that car. But I would say Franz single-handedly had the most, um, you know, the biggest hand, in the that. biggest hand in that for yeah. sure. But you know, yeah. we built the custom steering wheel for that car. We did the, the, the mirrors. We did the wheels. We did. We did a lot of stuff. Um, Bent the roll cage hoop for them. Yeah, did template the of the roll cage stuff like that. You know, so yeah, because the car definitely has your guy's style on it you know what i mean like you could, yeah. the, the steering wheel is one of the things specifically that i noticed that i saw on there that was real real unique in the car in, in a world and that's part of the challenge it's like in a world where it's like borrowed from something else or sold at impy it's hard to be different you know what i mean yeah. Great. and uh you know the, the steering wheel I noticed right away when I saw it, and I just love the look of that steering wheel and just the, the uniqueness of it. Now, you guys hand fabricate those wheels. We do. We do. And, you, I mean, you guys rivet the wood on there and everything, huh? Yeah. yeah we do, yeah. Yeah. And they're, uh, yeah, I yeah. Mean, we put a lot of love into those things. They're yeah. like a piece of jewelry, yeah. really. Yeah. At great effort. So. Yeah. No, with, without a doubt it is. And so, so, realistically, you can make that wheel for a bus or Beetle yeah, or anything. Absolutely. You'll mod the hub, 
And what's a wheel like that run, like for listeners that are looking at it? now, now guys, it's probably not going to be cheap because it's handcrafted, but it's yeah. definitely one off. And I'm sure, do you guys have the opportunity to get a little bit um, creative with the wheel design? Oh, yeah. We do for sure. Yeah. yeah. So we do all kinds of different profiles in the steering wheel grip. We do all kinds of different materials. We, uh, we offered titanium spokes, stainless steel spokes, raw steel spokes that were then powder coated. And we do, you know, Mark's background in bicycle powder coating and a lot of sort of techniques and technologies that he sort of, you know, came about and, uh, um, you know, sort of developed. We translated that successfully into the car world to where we can do all kinds of crazy finish work on steering wheels and wheels and shifters and I mean, whatever, literally. And it just, it's got that, you know, it's that real difference maker. It's that last 10% that just sends it over the top, you know? So like that car in particular, Craig's car in particular, the horn button will have three or four different colors inset in the logo and the horn button, which are all powder coated, you know, they're all detail work, liquid detail work under powder coat, which is, you know, relatively unheard of in the automotive industry. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you get liquid like uh, detail with with powder durability. And for those people out there that know about powder coat, it can be very durable if done right. It's good stuff. Yeah, I noticed. Um, I mean, just just some of the, the the fabrication work you guys do specifically. I mean, there's lots of cool stuff, and you guys even do some more. You guys even trigger. I guess it all goes hand in hand, right? Some early Vespa stuff, things like that. Yeah. You know? I, yeah. I, I did notice your Vespa was lacking in the mirror department. I mean, I'm not going to tell you, bro, but the real mods, they got 600 mirrors on the front of their, uh, but maybe you got to be as old as me to remember that the mod dudes in high school with the Lambrettas and, and the Vespas with 20 mirrors on the, on the front, which was the, I guess the oh, only yeah. accessory they did, but you, we gotta, we gotta be real careful because there's a real serious Vespa gang around here. So yeah, we'll just get, we'll walk out on the street and get beaten up. You know? They'll hunt you down. The guys will show up with their tapered pants and give you the old wing, wing yeah. tip to the temple. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, it, it seems that you guys have a pretty pretty broad uh, scope of what you do, and it's kind of a, a little bit of everything. Now, on the upholstery side, do you guys have uh, an in-house guy, or are you guys doing it yourself, or do you guys come up with the design? Because I've seen some pretty unique upholsteries that you guys have done too. We we have resources for upholstery, mm-hmm. so we do we do everything in-house except, I would say, upholstery. Yeah. So right. everything. So, But the stuff we do – with upholstery, is we usually come up with the design and source all the materials, and then we take it to our upholstery guy. And that's one of the battles because we have a very specific design and a very specific goal in mind as far as upholstery and what the finished product needs to look like. And you're right, we're very sort of vintage performance. And, you know, traditionally upholstery guys usually dabble in the hot rod scene, at least from what we find. So, <laughs> or they like usually to what use... happens is we formulate a plan and collect all the materials and then we fight a serious battle with the upholstery guy as to what the final product needs to look like but now i just want to be clear you like my brother who's standing there going less stuffing less stuffing. Oh, like, no. oh. always yeah. i was, I was yeah. just, thinking, just that. thinking that yeah diamond stitch with you know two inch puffies in the diamond <laughs> it's just not you like it you like it like no i don't like it no. yeah yeah, no foam in between those layers. We just want di- flat diamond stitch. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, it's like we've got a decent upholstery guy here in town, but it's you really have to, like, ha- have a sit down with him and, like, listen, I don't – I don't want I don't want foam on the bottom, foam in the middle, and foam on the top. Like just a cushion yeah. in there, wrap it tight, keep it clean. And, you know, with the upholstery that the stuff that you guys have, I'm seeing like – you know, fabrics mixed with other fabrics, uh, stitch patterns, embossed leathers. I mean, really unique stuff. And I think that's what 
I think that's what I really enjoy about looking at your guys' work is it's it's not the norm. It's definitely vintage vintage race inspired, but it also has like the embossing is kind of a cool look. You know what I mean? It's just something kind. Of, it looks a little cowboy what I'm looking at, but I but I like it. You know what I mean? I kind of like I I like that it's different, and I'm a big like different guy. Like if it's different, it's not the same as everything else. It's unique in the uh, in the VW world, especially. Now, how do yeah. you guys how do you guys find a market, or does your market find you usually? Our market definitely finds us. You know, some of the most I guess success we are the better successes that we've had are cars that we built the way we wanted to build them, where people were probably looking at us when we when we pitched the idea, and they were like, "What? I can't see that. That seems stupid." And we build it, and then somebody has to have it. So that's kind of the road that we want to go down moving forward is we want to, we want to find cool cars, do some really cool stuff to them, what we want to do. Right. And then offer those up for sale. That's one of the things that we're really going to try and work on along with some of the products that we have, you know, steering wheels, uh, you know, you know, custom like Fram oil filter style breathers. Uh, we've got a shifter. We got a really cool shifter coming out that nobody's seen yet. Really? We're going to be doing it. Yeah. It's really, it's, it's, that's one area that I think the industry is, it's hard to find something that I think is it really really works good, but has that that kind of vintage speed look. It yeah. doesn't look too, too hot rod. Uh, we can, we've come up with something pretty cool that we're going to release here in the next probably I'd say month. Well, with my you know with my crew cab, everybody, <laughs> everyone who listens to the podcast like he's talking about one of his cars again. But <laughs> that's just my podcast. What you get to do, so you guys can take a shot that's if you're right. taking shots at home every time I bring up one of my cars, but. With it started with my split, like sometimes things like a shifter, and I was really inspired by the shifter that came out from. Um, oh, it's got to be about eleven years ago now. Uh, the shifter from Bug Tech, mm-hmm. and I loved the shifter. Recently, I pulled it out of my crew cab and swapped it out with a with one of the Cool Rides custom shifters because as much as I loved that shifter. I don't know if it wasn't adjusted properly or if it didn't have a fluid motion to it, but it was not enjoyable to drive. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. it's funny because there's only a couple things that need to be right to drive a Volkswagen and it can be a hot piece of trash and you can still drive it comfortably. If it shifts good, mm-hmm. the seats are comfortable, you know what I mean? And like, yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and like, and it moves along decently, but man, I tell you, I, you know, I've got my bull run bus, which has a Berg shifter in it. And when you're doing stuff, there's those things that are like, oh, different, 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 same shifter. The guy's got one of the three shifters that's on the market. And you know, it's, and so, you know, when I, when that bug tech shifter came out, I was super stoked. And I was like, the split is going to go this direction. And I, and, and then long story short, who even knows what I'm going to do now, but it's, it's, it's funny because you see almost the evolution and things like shifters barely make a blip on the radar. You know, everybody's like, ah, well enough's good enough, but there's so much more out there. And, and, and the attraction to that shifter we're talking about specifically was the open gated look. Like it really yep. had an industrial look to it. And I don't know if it, it followed through with all of the form because as, uh, just from my experience, it was, it was stronger than the floorboard it was bolted to. And like, it would almost, like rip the floor out, you know? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. But if you guys, if your shifter is going to look anything like some of the stuff, the little stuff you guys, you like, like the, uh, the, the power kill switches, right. They come with those plastic yeah. chintzy knobs 
and then yeah. you guys make a cool custom key for it, which is pretty rad. And then I see the hinges. Now, are you guys producing those hinges for sale? The decklet hinges? No, yeah, those are our, those are on my bus specifically. So I don't know. I just replaced the decklet. I put an aluminum skin decklet that Mark gave me. It was already louvered, and I fit it to my bus, and I built a steel substructure and formed it to that. But wasn't conducive because it was just a raw aluminum skin, so it wasn't conducive to running um, traditional bug or uh, bus hinges. Right. So I just kind of now yeah, we were spitballing. We just kind of came up with a 911 RSR style external hinge, and just kind of handmade those out of stainless and welded them up, and then put them on the bus, and they look really good, you know. And it's that's one thing that's really interesting about most of the vehicles we produce is it's. I mean, it's the sum of all the parts, but when you get in and dig into the nit and gritty of it, uh, you know, the nitty gritty, the the little hinges on the back of the deck that your average person that walks by would never even notice, right? Yeah. You know? So so I guess the long answer is no, we're not, we haven't produced those for production yet, but that's certainly not something we would, or... That's not know. off the table. Yeah, no. no, absolutely not. And that's kind of more what we want to do, you know, titanium battery kill switches, steering wheels, shifters, deck lid hinges, all kinds of stuff like that, you know, because I think that's... It's all those little finite details that really make a total car come together, you know? No, absolutely. And I think if I'm not mistaken from what you referred to before, you guys are going to kind of go into the world of Singer Automotive, but with vintage Volkswagens and not out of carbon fiber and 300 grand. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> and, and precisely. not making as much money. <laughs> yeah, not Exactly much like that, but totally different. But, yeah, yeah, exactly. Although we so. have had the Singer guys come to our show. Yeah, we've had the Singer guys buses, here, so... so. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know who that? Uh, I, I don't know Rob's last name, but you know he was in the band Catherine Wheel. So any of you guys in the grunge world or from that '90s era, you know that that's uh, that's where he got his start. And I remember I remember catching yeah. on to the singer stuff way back. But it's got it, it's got that crossover feel of like a a vintage vibe with updated performance. And yeah. I, I think there's just something to be said about a classic design like like a basket weave vinyl right like as plain jane and awful as it looks in a black kit in a 67 you put it in a saddle and inserts on a car and it changes the whole look of the interior absolutely yeah 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 and we yeah we this is a very heavy singer porsche or this is a heavy porsche community to begin with here in Colorado springs and the local dealership i think i want to believe it or not i want to say we have Probably four singers here in town. Wow. Yeah, glo- out of the global collection of singers, whatever it is. That's one point two million dollars in cars just driving around. But I got you. It is, I mean, and we have a we have a big time. Well, we got a speed yellow one at the dealership. That's the first one with carbon ceramic brakes on it, I believe. Um, but anyways, long story short, is we went to the release party for that, and sure enough, the singer boys came here, and then the GM of Porsche that we're pretty close with brought Rob here, and he toured the shop and hung out and stuff like that, and so and. He's, I wouldn't say he's a vintage Volkswagen guy, but we, we like to say everybody's got a vintage Volkswagen connection, you know? They, they can't school find one, it. Or they, their neighbor had one. Or, and he threatened to buy my bus. I yeah, mean, he tried, I wouldn't sell He it. tried to buy Mark's bus. And, but our, the best part of our story is he didn't know the color Dove Blue, so that when the Singer Porsche that's Dove Blue comes out, we want credit yeah. for right. introducing Bob to Dove Blue. So. But, you know, it's it's interesting because even from his standpoint, let, like let's say he's a late model guy that really appreciates a vintage flair. And then they that maybe they don't think they connect with the Volkswagen, but they don't understand that it's in the DNA of the Porsche. Like it's so deep in there that yeah. when you when, when you can when you can humble yourself to get in the people's car, and and it's so funny because it's two ends of the spectrum, right? So he maybe comes at it from a guy who 
had some personal success and wanted to dabble in cars. And a lot of us start with like, we're just a scroungy dude who scraped together two nickels to buy a car, but we want this bug. We want to somehow take the most, the, the most unassuming, humble car and, and give it, give it a look that everybody's like, nah, that's, that's the bad one. Like that's the dude you don't want to mess with. You know what I mean? And it's so, it's so raw and so basic in its form of a Volkswagen. You know, I mean, you're talking about Spartan car to begin with. I mean, there are, I mean, the, the, the highest end accoutrements are an ashtray, you know what I mean? So it's like, these things are basic, but that, that basic functional, like basic core, um, utilitarian version of the Volkswagen makes them so open platform to do whatever you want and make it any style you want. And with the vintage, like the Euro early Euro style or RSR type style stuff, it's really, it's, it's an, it's a look that really grabs your attention, you know? And when you kind of see that and there's these, these little German flares to it or little like touches that just make it so unique. And, and what I think is awesome that you guys have the opportunity to bring to the table through, through Mark's background is the titanium and, and some of the technology that's in the bicycle end of things. And that's what I love is like the, the ability to kind of push the boundaries where it's not being designed. Like, can we sell it for 50 bucks? Like that's, that's not how it starts. It starts out like, you know, it would be really cool. And, yeah. and then it goes from there. Yeah. 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 Well, I think that's the last 10% that we talk about, you know, it's due to finish work that the Volkswagen community is, you know, largely not accustomed to and materials that the Volkswagen community, and I'm not talking carbon fiber, but you're right, like brass and copper and titanium and yeah. aluminum and, you know, and just stuff that, you know, isn't widely seen in that community where it is in the Singer Porsche community, you know, and stuff like that. And the Outlaw 356 community, you know. And, and so if, so you guys are trying to uh, set yourself up right now to where maybe you go out and you buy three, four cars and you start building them to your taste to sell them as a completed vehicle. Correct. Correct. So, that, that along with building some, some really, you know, innovative and cool and, you know, interesting, um, you know, components such as steering wheels, shifters, that kind of stuff that kind of suit more the style that we, that we like that kind of vintage speed. Um, so look. give me, give me a, give me a mental picture of like your, I would assume you'd have like a base model an upgraded model and like a money's no object model. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I'm just, I'm just spitballing here guys. Cause I'm part of the team today, but, uh, I'm just thinking if you're building your basic car, like you want to build something for you guys, what are some of the, some of the attributes that are going to be on, on this vehicle that'll make it unique to you guys? Where do you start? Yeah. I mean. <laughs> Uh, I think traditionally, you know, we, we always get in trouble with this because, and Mark especially guilty of it, but what we'll do is we'll buy a project car, say we buy a split window Beetle, and the first thing we'll do is pick out wheel work and then and pick out interior, <laughs> and we'll have an empty shell that needs metal work and body work and paint and doesn't even have a motor or any of the suspension monetary, but we'll have already finished wheels and tires mounted, already finished upholstery ready to go in because... I don't know. That's just kind of yeah. where the creative juices flow. And we're really particular about not being the same old stuff, you know, and you yeah. mentioned different, you know, the, the industry has been around. We're, not, we're by no means reinventing the wheel. We're by no means, you know, forging these crazy new paths in the industry, but we want to be different enough to be ourselves and we want to be different enough to 
continuously inspire ourselves yeah, and each other. and inspire the community. And that's that's really good, and that's really good to do. But we also need to have a level of checks and balances, because you can get really different, you oh, know? Yeah. And you can get <laughs> different. Slippery yeah. slope. You can you, get really different you, can get... you alienate everybody else. <laughs> and, alienate everybody else. <laughs> and I'll be the first one to admit, I toe that line often. Yeah. So, I, I, I march to the beat of my own. You know, and you sure. mentioned it, you know, the, the hand tool, you know, the sort of cowboy themed hand tooled leather on seats which is i mean that's different I love you know it. but I love it's, it. it's not quite different enough to bear where people are like Ooh, you know but it's it's just towing the line where people are like well that's different but that's pretty cool you know every Volkswagen needs a little yeah and that's that's kind of the line we tow and so we try to do that with wheels you know mark's bus for instance has 14 inch um bmw can't be bmw wheels on the front of it and 15 inch don't Nine, say it. Nine thirty-five <laughs> looking wheels on the back. Yeah, you know that that required custom finish work and custom drilled hubs to fit those wheels to the vehicles. But all those seem like necessities to us for the completion of that project, right? Sure. So that vehicle is not complete in our eyes until certain aspects of it line up aesthetically, functionality, you know, all of the above, and those are really important to us. And so. Custom interiors, custom wheel packages, right fitment, um, shifters, steering wheels, patina, you know, real patina paint, r- original paint, you know, spotted in, repaired in areas, whatever. Logos, custom painted on logos, you know, that kind of stuff. All of that stuff kind of goes into the builds. And we don't ever, we're not chip boost, we're not drawing that in the shop, A, because we can't draw. Right. And that's just <laughs> not the way we operate it. Mark and I are very much spitball yeah kind of just hang out and it comes to us evolve as you go as you start to put those pieces together you start to plan out the interior and you're talking about interior colors and you're talking about wheel packages and stuff like that as that stuff kind of starts to evolve everything just kind of comes together and we're lucky enough to a work really well together you know and both sort of align and it's probably just from you know just from spending a lot of time together and, you know, Mark's background and stuff like that. But a lot of it, we just kind of, you know, we start here and just kind of come towards a point. And, you know, the, the finished product, there's very little disagreement about where we need to be. It just kind of evolves, you know, as we go along. So, But I will say that most of our projects, though, when we kind of just bounce the idea off of somebody, they're like, they can't get it. You know, they're kind of <laughs> shaking their head. And Craig, Craig, Hart did the same thing, you yeah. know, doesn't really get it. But then once it starts... Once it starts turning into something, which kind of has to happen as a process, it's it's not like we got a plan like Chris said and we draw a picture and this is exactly what it's going to look like. Right. A lot of what we do kind of evolves and it, it's inspired by the process. And uh, to answer your question, I don't think if we started doing cars, we wouldn't really have like an entry level, level, a mid level and a really high end car. I think they would all kind of fall into the same category and they would just be very custom and, and what we kind of what we're feeling, you know? But I mean, you guys have like a specific drivetrain, like you guys have your good, like drivetrain. These are the brakes. These are the engine. This is the trans. This is what we like as far as the functionality. And then everything else is rounding out the package to make it in unique in and of itself. Uh, to a certain degree, I guess it depends on what we're really after. You know, we're, I, I have a 55 semaphore oval in my garage. So my bus runs, Big motor, dry sump oil tank, uh, 44 millimeter Webers, 944 disc brakes, mini light wheels, uh, modern, you know, radial tires all the way around. And so does Mark, short throw, bug tech, gear shifter in it. Um, 
But then I have the oval in my garage, which I'm collecting 356, 356 finned drum brakes for it. And we'll do like the Lockwood style real smoothie wheels on it. And, you know, we'll probably keep horse. it 36, 6 volt, 36 horse and probably do some level of supercharging on the 36 horse and keep it sort of very more, a lot more traditional vintage speed and skinny, you know, tires. skinny tires, you know, that kind of feel. So. We have definitely specific parts that we like to go to as far as as far as what we're trying to achieve, but we're not necessarily confined by hey, we're going to put disc brakes on this car, or hey, sure. we're going to put twelve volt conversion in this, or hey, this has to be this way. A lot of that comes down to a the aesthetic of the car, you know, the base project of what you what the car comes as, and then b ultimately what we think the end consumer is going to want. You know, are you going to drive it every single day of your life and put you know Mark lives up the pass, you know. 30 miles from here up the mountain so so he needs, real, he needs a stroker a yeah is it realistic <laughs> yeah, for him to drive yeah. a 36 volt 36 or 6 volt 36 horse every yeah. day nope up 4,000 feet <laughs> no not really you know so yeah i mean i live at 9,500 feet up there we were just having that conversation i was thinking about doing a 36 horse rebuild in the in the Durbrumbar, the, the zwitter yeah and, uh, but i'm like man i gotta put something in that car that'll get me up there because I don't care what you're doing. I mean, that, that motor that was originally in that car was a uh, Pepco supercharged, but it doesn't matter. I'm no. going to be going 15 miles an yeah. hour up that hill. Yeah. You put, you put two dudes in that car and man, you're game done. over, you're done. game over. Yeah. yeah. And so there's a balance, you know, there's, we want to do practicality and drivability, obviously, or what we really strive is to make these cars, like you said, sort out the stuff that makes it really enjoyable to drive. Give it a motor that gets it down the road that keeps up with traffic so you're not fearing for your life. Make it turn and stop and shift, shift well. well, you know. I'm not saying like a modern car, but make it to where someone is. If if I always say if someone's not in tune to driving old cars, can they get in this car and can they functionally get it down the road and feel pretty good about it? And yeah. the answer should be yes, you know. It shouldn't be so hard to drive that, that it turns people off from the entire vintage car aspect, right? You know, yeah. we want to... You know, we want to we want people to enjoy the hobby and get in these cars and really enjoy them and have a good time in them. And if it's incredibly hard to drive, well, then they're not going to be doing that, right? So no, absolutely, that they have to be enjoyable. Like if if I I've got two buses, I've got my crew cab and my and my bull run bus. The bull the well, it's no longer the bull run bus because I stripped all the logos. But um, you know, my red and black bus that is a '67 seat position is a little further back. The seat style is thinner and it's way more like it steers easier. It's way more comfortable to drive. Yeah. And it's like if a given the two, my one, my my carbon cab's got twenty six hundred in it, and that I got a twenty two seventy in the other one. But it's like the one that's easy, easy, like it's effortless to drive my red and black bus versus my, you know, I, I still need some fine tuning on the carbon cab, and uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where I always go with the one that's easiest to drive, and it's just like I know it's just like it's just a cruiser, and. You know, that's such an important aspect that some people don't think about because I don't know how many times I've seen a super cool car and I've seen a lot of really cool cars and I'm like, oh, let me sit in it and check it out. And then I get in. I'm like, nope. Like, I yeah. I just can't drive it. It just doesn't feel right. The seat position's wrong. The, you know, and, and there's so much of that. That's a that's a subliminal checklist yeah. when you get in a car, um, which I in your guys' opinion, so now we'll just do some some personal opinion questions here. In your guys' opinion, what are some of the most important aspects of, or let me go a different direction. What do you guys think the VW scene is lacking in regards to either suspension, uh, seats, or any of these kinds of things? Where, where would you love to see some real, 
some real upgrades in the scene in regards to things that you guys aren't going to manually fabricate yourself, like suspension wise. Yeah, I think, uh, well, I think largely, I think most people who have Volkswagens who love driving them, they love them. But when we get in their cars and we drive them, they're just, they're so far off from being like dialed. And it doesn't really take that much to get them right. You know, it's just, I think people, they're in a vintage car, so they just kind of feel like, oh, that's the way it's supposed to feel. Um, so just overall drivability and, and just, you know, making things safe and, and a little bit more dialed in, you know, is where is where I would like to see things go. Because I see so many cars that are so close, it wouldn't take much to get them to where they really drive well and they would really just create a lot more enjoyment. Um, but most of them don't. And it's uh, that's kind of the area that I would like to see things change. And I, I would like to see also... Um, you know, the whole old speed or vintage speed look, you know, that kind of early race car look. I, I, I really like that. And I don't know if that'll ever really take off here as much as I'd like for it to. But the, the quote unquote outlaw like, look. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kind of like, our, like yeah. what we like to do, you know. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people look at that. And I think they like it, but I don't necessarily I don't necessarily you know, I don't know. I don't know if people get it really. You don't know yeah. if they have the courage to take a fifty-one split window and cut a hole in the hood for the gas filler. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, true. that yeah, that takes a lot of courage, you know. So, so yeah. I, I might need to talk to you guys about some of that stuff uh, off the air in respect to that's some of those gas necks and stuff because we've we've done some unique stuff with well, not some super unique stuff, but ideas definitely borrowed from the world of vintage Porsche racing and early things like that. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, Chris, what about you? In your opinion, what are what are some of the areas of the VW scene that you'd love to see some things maybe a little bit different in in whether it's availability of certain aspects of parts pieces or fitment of certain things? Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that's one of the things that drives us most crazy is I'd like to see quality of, of reproduction stuff get better. You know, Mark and I are spoiled because we have a full suite shop and we weld and we powder coat and we do all our finish work. So Traditionally, anything we're not happy with quality-wise or aesthetic-wise, we build, you know? So if, hey, we don't like this seat, we will build a seat or we'll buy a seat from a, you know, we'll buy a seat from, you know, a different community and adapt it to fit in a Volkswagen. So, you know, hypothetically, or, you know, for, hypothetically speaking, if we don't like the seats in Beetles because they're squishy and they have no bolstering, you roll out of them and you wheel it around a corner and stuff like that. So... (laughs) Yeah, we'll borrow we'll borrow an aluminum bucket from the hot rod industry, and to make it look less hot rod, we'll have our upholster shave the foam to look like a 550 spider seat. Right. You know, we'll diamond stitch it, and we'll powder coat the back of it, or we'll cover the back of it in German square weave carpet. So, or we'll cut it up and and change it. Completely. Yeah, we'll change it completely. So we've been really good at that, but that's not necessarily available to you know every person out there, obviously. So I'd like to see more development in just like cool. Wow. available quality features for that but i think my biggest gripe with the Volkswagen community is just the remanufacturing of modern parts you know so you know i uh, we'll put we'll we'll put a beam together and we'll get rubber from the best rubber producer in north america or the best rubber you can <laughs> find and before that beam even goes on a car the main seals are already splitting and what? cracking what? What? <laughs> yeah i did a whole i did a whole <laughs> podcast know, so. where i just like just went bananas on like Guys, you're the only one in the market. Charge ten bucks more and make it out of good quality rubber. That's been a huge frustration to me. Why when I when we did our type thirty four, my type thirty four restoration, I grabbed rubber out of Thailand and there was a guy repopping it. And then, you know, there was a there was a whole 
situation where, you know, I had to redo this or get that. It was funny because I had purchased, there was a guy named Pop in Thailand that was remaking the type, out of all things, he was remaking type 34 window rubber. So I ordered from him. It sits in the garage in Arizona for a year or two and the window, the windshield rubber shrinks. So yeah. I can't get a hold of this pop guy anymore. I, I grab some stuff from Status VW and I order it from overseas. Comes over, it's about double the price, and it's wrapped in the same wax paper, the same blue highlighter written on it that I ordered from the guy in Thailand. And this guy must have bought him out. But it's like that quality rubber that I had was great. And I've got a car that I ended up getting from some friends recently. A Type Three had all all new rubber on it, and not even a year old. It's splitting, and it's just like oh, it's yeah. it's beyond upsetting. And it's like, and I and my and and I I want to say like someone needs to get in the better rubber game and sell it for more and prove that people will pay for quality. Absolutely. And I think that's, I think that's sort of, you know, for a lot of them, I mean, there's a lot of good quality producers out there, but I think a lot of that runs through the entire hobby, you know, so it's not just specific to rubber and, you know, we try to get by as best we can with stuff like that. We've got, there's, there's parts on our buses, you know, the main beam seals that are, that are latigo leather that we cut and punched and soaked in oil and then used leather seals as opposed to rubber because, I mean, they don't, they, they've been on there five years now, 10 years, and they're still there and they're still supple and stuff like that because they last, you know, but obviously you can't do that with window rubber and stuff like that. So, yeah. so yeah, I think that would be my biggest gripe about the industry as a whole would be, you know, and like I said to us, you know, we, we combat that every day, but we get around it largely, but your average dude working in his garage is just ordering parts left, right, and center for his Volkswagen. I mean, it's not it's not specific to rubber. It's it's everything. Although the know? rubber is a biggie. Yeah. The rubber is the biggest one. That's the biggest. They can't right. fabricate rubber. Yeah. So yeah, to find somebody, you know, like there were there were guys in the Porsche community uh, reproduction parts years ago. I don't know if they're still around, but there was a company called International Mercantile, uh-huh. and that guy had EPDM rubber that was so good it was like German quality, like really good rubber. And you just can't find that these days in the Volkswagen community. You know, you buy, like Chris said, you go to the place that's supposed to have the best rubber. You put a beam together, say the project, you know, a month later, you look at them and they're already splitting. They're already, they haven't even moved. Yeah. You know, it's just disappointing. You did the Cardinals in and ex- opened the package and exposed <laughs> yeah. the oxygen. Exposed to the atmosphere. Oh, man, yeah. it was supposed to be sealed, hermetically sealed until uh, no one uses it ever. But, Agreed, well, yeah. And the, the, the irony is like most of us pull apart 50-year-old Volkswagens that the rubber's not cracked. It's not split. It's still intact. And it's like you're thinking to yourself, well, if I could soak it in a bucket of motor oil for a month, maybe I could reuse it because it's it's disappointing. And, and I think what happens is there's too many things where it's like, well, we're the only game in town, so – you know, this is what you're going to, this is what you're going to get. And it doesn't matter what, what we'll charge for it. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll give you a deal on it, but I don't think the VW, especially because of the demographic changes. And a lot of us enthusiasts are in our, you know, thirties, forties, and fifties. We're all where we have, we had two nickels to rub together. Now we have a real dollar in our hand and we're, we're willing to pay the price for a good piece of rubber. And that, that was, uh, you know, way back in the day, when I had the CEO that's no longer at Impy on there, that's kind of what we talked about where, you know, he came from a different side of the automotive world and he saw this huge opportunity with Impy. Like, man, we're the biggest game in town. Why can't we be the best? Like, why, why are we wasting our time shipping brake parts out to China when we could locate a local manufacturer, cut a deal with him and get better quality stuff 
and the VW people pay for it. And, and it's funny because you never see the industry catch on. It's like there's this huge opportunity that I see where people would pay for it because let's say back to the steering wheel, right? The steering wheel that you guys made, the titanium steering wheel, a titanium steering wheel cannot be cheap. What's yep. the, what's the steering wheel going to cost? A grand? I would say twenty twenty two to $2,400 for a titanium handmade. But we're talking, like I said, you don't really – Pictures don't do it justice. You know, when you put it in your hand, it's like you can see somebody's face change when they put it in their hand. You know, it's like a piece of jewelry. And in the same respect, if you're going to pay 900 bucks for an OEM 1965 wheel that was made with 1965 technology for an MPG TV or whatever the case is, and now you go to the car show, and that's kind of the thing with the hobby. You, you go to the car show, and it's the same 14, like, oh, DKP showed up? Oh, no, these guys aren't in the club? They're, they're all their cars? And not no disrespect on DKP, but what I'm saying is, yeah. like, it seems like the 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 thought process somehow gets staled out at some point. And then the, the scene is infamous for, like, a dude who marches to his own drum, and the people are like, oh, man, why'd you put those on there? What's the deal with that, bro? That's not correct for that car. What do you got trim on that bus for? It's not a deluxe. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's there's all these things. And I think as more people, you know, and I've definitely been, been a big fan of people expressing themselves through their vehicle. Do your style. And, you know, maybe I'm a little old school, but kind of like if you've got nothing nice to say, man, just don't say anything. Like, if yeah. you appreciate it, give the dude some kudos. Because each one of these cars – are built to the uniqueness of of the style of the individual building it, you know? And, and that's what attracts us to the hobby is is the blank slate that we're able to approach. And and through your background in in, you know, mountain bikes and and powder coating and then your background in maple trees in Canada. <laughs> yeah. But no, what but what I'm saying Ru- is like, Russ. Yeah, Russ. Russ. But yeah. like you can you can take your own individual inspirations and mold them into this blank slate. But I think look, 2,400 bucks. And this is what I try to get people to understand. Like I, there's a guy. Okay. So since you're familiar with excellence magazine, there's a guy, Steve Anderson illustrations passed away a little bit ago. I had him do a rendering of my bull run bus. He did it with the logos, the stickers, all the rally graphics and everything on the car. And it's like 350 bucks. I paid for that. Okay. Some people listen to the podcast, but like 350 bucks, I get a disc brake kit for that. Like, right. But when I finished my bus, I go to the swap meet. I have nothing to buy. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of there. And then when I, when I looked at it and, and I tell some of my friends like, yeah, check it out. That was 350 bucks, but it's hand drawn pencil drawing by a guy who drew concept one, the beetle worked yep. for Volkswagen as a, as a designer. And it's like, there's something to be said for, for, for hand built bespoke things that you can make. And I think there's a market for it in the VW world, especially for people that are pursuing something different. Yeah. I agree. You know? Yeah. And I see, well, lot, I see a lot of that stamped in the things you guys do as, as on the surface driving by another ratty bus well, when you go really take a look at it, there's some really cool stuff done to it. You know what I mean? And yeah. and you know the the rust is not a crime crew has gotten kind of a bad a bad a, a bad rap because everybody just thinks like oh yeah they just yanked the leaf slammed it on the ground and whatever. But your guys' cars definitely have a lot of character, a lot of unique detail to it, and I think that, that there's a desire for that stuff out there. I agree, and I think I think that's part of the. That's part of the, the evolution of the hobby. It's no longer, you know, buses, you know, when I first bought my bus, 
we talk about this all the time, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, it was a dry, largely accident-free, super clean, super straight bus, and it was 3500 bucks for a split-window bus, you know, and that's not the hobby anymore, you know? Yeah. And I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that, that all of a sudden it's big dollar stuff, but, you know, all of a sudden these cars have value and people take a lot of pride, and that's what turns us on to the hobby, as you alluded to it, is guys are out there doing their own thing, and what inspires us is that those guys love that car enough to put it in a garage and pay money to do stuff to it and keep it. And it, it has value to them, which in turn makes us excited about it because they, they, they like that car so much that they want to spend money on it. They want to do things to it. And, you know, they want to enjoy it and they want to keep it. And, you know, so and yeah, that's one of the things that really, you know, drew me to the Volkswagen community is you just got such a diverse community that, and everybody kind of, you know, compared to other cars mustangs like and stuff like that the volkswagen community definitely marches to the beat of their own drum and i like that oh. um that's what kind of drew me to it so the passion that i see out there be it good or bad as far as style is really inspiring to us we love it yeah i i, I definitely think you know that the i definitely think as prices start to push up and people are happy with their their car like i've got my bus and i'm happy with this one and i'm not searching for another one but i don't want the same reproduction steering wheel somebody else has i don't want the same wheels i want something a little bit unique something a little bit different and you guys are bringing some of that to the market so you know our listeners that have never heard of Luftcraft fabrication stuff like that before where do you come into play for the average listener to this podcast or what do you have to offer? I mean, let alone besides the inspiration of the cool pics and stuff that are on your guys' Instagram, which is awesome because the different backgrounds that you two bring together spur these, di- these unique ideas that you don't really see anyplace else. And I got to commend you guys for that because I, I love originality, uniqueness and inspiration. Cause we all get inspired by something, whether it's nature or industrial or whatever it is, but being able to take that and bring it into a hobby that and sometimes gets a little stale. So where would the average, like some of our listeners be able to, let's say we got somebody living in Colorado Springs, never heard of you guys. And he's like, man, I got a Volkswagen. Like, what can you guys do for them? Pretty much anything. I mean, you know, we alluded to that. We want to build parts and we want to resell parts and we want to build cars, um, you know, sort of to resale because that takes that, that sort of takes away the the creative constraint, you know, because obviously when you somebody brings you their car, you know, they've either had for a long time or they just bought or, they, you know, they have some level of investment, whether it be monetarily or emotionally or whatever. When they bring that to you and say, hey, I want you to restore this for me or, you know, modify this for me. Well, usually that person has some level of idea of what they want it to look like. Right. right. Very rarely does some a customer come to you and say, you have total creative control. You can do whatever you want. And I'll just come back with a big check and give you. Although we have, had that we have had that, <laughs> we have had that, but it's usually, it's usually rare. So they usually want to sure. have some level of control. So, you know, we, we do offer that service. We restore cars for people and we're not opposed to doing piecemeal work to them or helping inspire them or talking. You know, we try to get people to come to the shop and see the stuff in person and even just take inspiration for what they want to do, you know, because like I said, above and beyond all else, Mark and I are in it as a business, but we're enthusiasts to begin with, you know? So, yeah. you know, we're not, we're, we are Volkswagen and, and we like to say we're Volkswagen and early air-cooled Porsche guys, but we're, we go to car shows and we have friends that dabble in BMW 2002s or motorcycles or GT40s. Vespas or GT40s or 
So above all else, we're car guys. So we kind of can take that inspiration and adapt that to just about anything. But, you know, we really are a full suite shop. We do a ton of wheel, wheel work. Custom wheels, wheel refinishing. I mean, what kind of stuff can so you guys can, do to somebody's wheels? If give me an example, somebody's got a if they've got a rare set of magnesium wheels, you guys know how to work with them and stuff like that. Or give me some. We do, yeah, we do. We know how to work with those. We do a lot of refinishing. Um, so we do we do a lot of sort of traditional refinishing. We we restore Fuchs, um, that kind of stuff. We do custom drilled steelies like Glockler style Volkswagen steelies. We do the drilled uh, space savers. Um, any kind of finish work, even, even, uh, you know, some of the early wheels, like the magnesium wheels, uh, you know, you need to have a, a ball burnished finish on them to, it's like almost like that refined kind of smooth cast right. raw look. And we can even do that. So we've got the equipment to do that. Yeah. Cause I was, I was noticing that you guys have like the, the perfect finish on the set of 16 inch Fuchs that I got a picture of here. It's like that. It's almost like a satin and I don't yep. know if is is that like a glass bead finish or is that like a is that actually a a powder coat on there? That the ones that I think you're referring to aren't a restoration on a wheel. They're kind of an RSR uh, tribute, and that mm-hmm. that's actually an acrylic powder coat. That's a matte new technology and powder coat. It's an, it's an acrylic base, which is a much thinner finish than a standard powder coat. That it's not a big to. gloopy looking no, like heavy no, powder coat. Almost almost has an anodized feel to it. Yeah, um, and that's that one of the good. other things we try to do is stay, really stay up on technology and what you know materials that are available, whether it be finishes, um, you know, whatever. Yeah, I definitely like that. And you guys that are listening, don't, don't forget to go down to the details in the podcast and click on the blog. And I'll have pictures of all this on the blog, uh, so you guys can follow along. But the drilled smoothies are pretty gangster. I like them, man. I think I'm not a smoothie yeah. guy, you know what I mean? But it's like if you can't find the space saver spare, that's your next best go to. Or if you just want that real early skinny wheel look, you know, it's, yeah. uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to use those wheels on a project that I'm working on and I wouldn't use anything else. Those, those smoothies <clears> that are drilled <throat> with that old, you know, Glockler Porsche look. I yeah. love it. And it, and it maintains wide five, whereas the, you know, the drilled aluminum smoothies have to go to a regular five Porsche 5130. Yeah. So gives you that real classic feel with a wide five look, you know, so. No, it's great looking. And you guys also make the. Do you make custom oil filtration systems? I see the the for the Fram setup you guys got on here. Um, that's that's actually a carburetor linkage and a breather. It's we use a Fram oil canister, uh-huh. but it's literally a breather box and and a carb linkage. There's a there's a a bell crank uh, with sealed cartridge bearings in it. Um, that's a kit that we do. That's another product that we haven't sold a ton of them, but we're going to offer those up again as well. And you we make take a Fram oil filter and, and make a carb linkage out of it. So, well, that's even cooler. Cause if that Fram canister is a breather, that's what, that's about the size breather you need for a 2200, you know, for yeah. a big displacement VW mm-hmm. motor. And so this is like a bell crank style linkage that it is. mounts in the yep. front and, and you've integrated it into the, into the breather. It is. And, yeah. And so the premise was is that we like the we really like that three fifty six look with the with the oil filter right on the fan shroud, but they don't filter oil all that well. So we hide a modern oil filter under the chassis and then mount that on the face and use that as a crankcase breather. So it has that period look, but the functionality and you know, the sort of modern oil filtration still exists. And then we run big carbs on largely anything that's big displacement, obviously, and we really couldn't digest the hex bar look of yeah, no, you know? there, there's some good linkages out there, but we yeah. wanted something. We do brass rods for them, you know, and they just have a 
they just have a, a really clean kind of cool vintage look. Yeah, you, it's, know, it, you can you call know, it that with the motor. It's definitely something that a lot of people are saying they're that they're looking for that they can't find. You know what I mean? Like I'm looking for a different kind of linkage, but it's got to be cool. And had I not asked the question, I wouldn't have known that that Fram was a breather. And I like I like it better the fact that it's a breather because an oil canister there doesn't do you much good other than drizzling yeah. oil all over the engine like a glazed that's, donut. That's yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, well, most of our most of our products are driven by us wanting something different than the status quo or something that we can't find that we either like the functionality or the aesthetic of. So traditionally where any of the products we produce, shifters, steering wheels, crankcase breathers, uh, you know, carb linkages, whatever, wheel packages is driven by the fact that we're either tired of the status quo or whatever is offered is not satisfactory quality wise or functionality wise. So we end up producing it ourselves. Then traditionally what happens is we'll produce it and we'll put it on a vehicle that we either own or we're doing for somebody. And then other people will say, well, wow, that's really killer. I, I need that. to have that as well. And that's usually, it's never this preconceived notion that like, oh, well, we need to produce a product for X, Y, and Z for sale to make money. It's always, hey, let's do this because we either think it's really cool or there's a need for it on a vehicle we're building. And then we put our, you know, our design touches and our whatever, you know, aesthetic touches on it. And then it leads to a quality product that we sell, then we resell after the fact. So that's kind of the evolution of how products come to market for us. Yeah, I, I listen. I, this, this is the first time I'm noticing the linkage and the and the breather, and I love it. I think it's, it is, it's hard to do performance dual carbs and make it look vintage. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, and to pull that off. Now the exhaust that's in this picture, where it's like a, it looks like the early style single oval uh, outlet. No, it's on the Dan's motor. Oh, yeah. 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 So, like the Sebring style. Sebring uh, style. Again, inspired by early 356 Porsches. Yeah. yeah. And now this exhaust, uh, are you guys, is there an outside supplier that's supplying that exhaust? Or are you guys making that? I believe that was A1. Yeah, you can get that through A1. And nice. and also uh, Vintage Speed also has one of those. But we've also built them, um, depending on – because. That's that's a tough one, you know. Sometimes to make it look right, you need to notch the uh, the apron. You know, H- having that hang down below the apron sometimes doesn't look quite right. So sometimes we'll build our own if we can't um, if we can't make the other ones fit. Um, well, but I think that particular exhaust that you're referencing is an A1. Yeah, I see the A1 tab welded on it. Now that I'm looking yeah. at it, but yeah, that's a that's a good looking exhaust. And the, the the tough thing to nail with those is, you know, the the, the is the the tail the, like the tailpipe the distance from the apron how far it comes out how close it is to the apron yeah. i mean listen i've got i i've got exhaust systems on all ranges and the one that was in my type 34 gear custom exhaust and, and people in the vw scene are so used to looking at like a magazine with prices advertised like 169 for an exhaust system and you're like oh this yeah. one's 400 the one that was on my type 34 gear was $2600 you know yeah. what i mean yeah. but it was Two into two into one, two into one. You know what I mean? And tuned by a guy that just builds nine fourteen racing exhausts, and he built it into a single canister that came out of the stock location on my Type thirty four Gia for a two point six liter Type four. And this yeah. thing was like, I mean, it was a hard pill to swallow. But I'll tell you right now, there's never been a Type thirty four Gia that sounds like my Gia. And yeah. and and some of us get into these projects, and this is a calling card to all you guys out there that are into those projects where you're just so deep, you can't cheap out the rest of the way. 
reach out to Luftcraft because they've got some, <laughs> they've definitely got some unique stuff. If you're looking for that steering wheel or you're looking for linkage, that's, that's different from the norm. And that's what I love that you guys are doing, man, was why I want to get you guys on the podcast because I've been, you know, lurking on, on Instagram and checking this stuff out. And I just really appreciate what you guys bring to, to this, to the scene, you know? Thank you. Yeah, Thank we appreciate you. that. Means a lot. So, um, yeah, if any of any of our listeners want to get with you guys, what's the best way to get a hold of you guys? Either shoot us a direct message on Instagram, or just email the shop. Our shop email is info at loopcraftfab.com. and we're in here, you know, virtually every day, and we're easily accessible. And it's just Mark and I. Uh, Mark's wife runs the office part time, but we're really trying to focus on just the artisan you know, and the craftsmanship of this, of the hobby and keep our inspiration levels high and keep motivated. And so traditionally it's just Mark and I. So if you call the shop, you're going to get either Mark or I. So, um, it's pretty much right to the source. So yeah, I would say reach out to us if anybody has any questions or just wants to no, I talk love about it. old cars, you know, I, I love it. And what's your guys, you guys have any shows you're going to be at coming up or people might be able to, to, to hammer out things with you or just pick your ears or check out your cars. Cause your cars, you guys definitely your, your buses and and the cars you guys build are pretty unique and it's definitely they deserve to be viewed and I think you guys because you're like in the middle hiding in Colorado, uh, uh, <laughs> when are you guys headed out? Anything you guys are headed out to sometime this year coming up where people might be able to check you out? Yeah, we are going to, and that's you know like I said earlier on in the in the podcast we we got so inundated with uh, with the Sprinter van stuff we literally didn't go to any any nothing. car shows nothing for the past couple of years yeah. um and and now we like chris said we moved our shop recently he moved personally bought a new house i built a house and moved recently we're literally just in the process right now of figuring out like what stuff we are going to do but that's one of the main things that we're going to be focusing on is getting back out there in the community and and hopefully inspiring people and, and em- embracing the lifestyle you yeah. know because we lost not, that not just there. working it not just have it be the daily grind but embrace the lifestyle you know get out to california go to some of the big shows you know i'd love to head down to you know we we're we're friendly with with the guys in florida and some of the porsche guys out in virginia and we'd love to get down to some racing events down in florida go to um, prado and octo and you know we're obviously really good friends with craig hart so we'd like to head out there and shack up with him and crash his place place and tool around and stuff like that and where's he out of Temecula. Temecula. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you guys can bother him all day long. Yeah, I oh, think yeah. if okay. you guys are going to be headed, you know, one of the things that I always envied, uh, because I I have a couple hundred issues of excellence here, so I would always kind of look at some things like that. And and what I talked about on one of our a few podcasts ago, I talked about the VW people don't as much as and and it might be just different circumstances or whatever. But I think we're all getting to that point where it's like. I want to see more stuff to where, you know, this next year coming up, I'm going to try to see if we can work out the Texas show and see if I can get some guys from California and just get a bunch of guys to caravan out to one of these shows and just just the road trip experience, the a bunch of different guys from different locations. So if you guys are going to be headed to Octo, if they're going to have an Octo in February, which they usually have an Octo in February, and you guys will be headed out there. If you, if you guys are brave enough to drive your buses, when you come through Vegas, man, I'll link up with you guys and we'll roll out there together because I think that's just some of the funnest part of the hobby is hitting the road, 
doing some long hauls next year, earlier this year, I, I, I got snagged with the COVID-19 just before, uh, October. And I had a runny nose for a couple of days, but I was on quarantine. So, um, you know, I wanted to go, I, I was so fed up with not going to events this year. I was like, man, I want to go to the Florida, the Florida bug jam. Like, I don't even care. I'm going to bully brigade, Florida bug jam. Then I got snagged by the COVID, but next year, I want, I'm going to plan to do something like that. And I want to try to get a bunch of people on board where it would just be a cool cross country trek. And some of us might just put our cars on a car hauler and fly home on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> because that's how I read the Porsche guys did it. They had like an East meets West or North meets South meet. And yep, a lot of yep. the guys would just long haul it to Florida, hang out. Like the drive there is the experience. The weekend is the experience. Yeah. And we all know when we go to these events, man, sometimes at the end of the event, you're just VW'd out. Like at the end of the classic weekends, you just be like, all right, I'm okay not to see my Volkswagen for two weeks because I'm VW'd out right now. It's been pressure and craziness for the past, you know, month getting ready to thrash, get this thing done. And now we're at the show. But I think, uh, I would love to see a lot more of that. And I think with what's happened this year, a lot of people being cooped up, not allowed to do things. And everywhere you go, it's like, you know, everybody's calling each other a doctor because we're all wearing masks. So now it's going to be more like, I think if we can get that long haul experience, man, I think that'd be such a good time. Cause you know, we build these cool cars and sure. I'd like to see them on the road. I mean, I love driving my bus when the opportunity presents itself and everything comes together. Right. But, uh, yeah, if you guys head out to Octo this year, man, hit me up. I'll get, I'll have one of my buses ready, man. And I'll tell you this, I'll get at least two or three buses and we'll we'll start, you know, we'll have a little convoy going out there, but it'll be uh, We can de- we can definitely scratch some guys here too, yeah, so. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Colorado's not not Florida or even Vegas or even uh or even by California no by no stretch California, but you know, KCW guys are aren't far away from us and those guys those historically those guys travel pretty well too you know yeah. so no we're all we could about definitely it. Some, some gangs together for sure yeah that'd be good a- anything that we didn't cover you guys would like to let people know about uh you guys right now anything that we th- what we might have overlooked um not you know probably some stuff that we could actually have a whole other podcast over but <laughs> i think i think in general we covered pretty yeah, much everything. i think the just of it for sure well for sure know? and when so. you guys are getting ready to roll out any new product or any new anything like that that's going on feel free to reach out to me i'd love to have you guys back on the podcast and Absolutely. uh and definitely uh get some looks your way and some people checking out what you guys are doing because there's a lot going on in this vw scene and my job is just to direct some attention here or there or wherever or you know sure. if it's just a personal guilty pleasure of mine just to see what you guys are up to and and just check on you guys man i appreciate you guys coming on the podcast and anybody out there that you guys would like to give a shout out to or thanks before we wrap up god oh, long list yeah, yeah. <laughs> guys Everybody. guys we mentioned before you know yeah. case from the kcws yeah. to to yeah. craig hart to the dbk guys to dbk to pips, to, pips, yeah. to rod emery and gary emery to yeah. You know, the Porsche guys out in Virginia, like we talked about, you know, the Lufttechnik guys. I mean, yeah. we a just, it's, we get us. a lot of support and a lot of inspiration from all over the community, you know? And so, I mean, man, there's, there's a hundred guys out there, um, that we really owe thanks to yeah. and just guys that even just send us work, you know? And I mean, man, it's when it comes down to the brass tacks of the community, it really is a strong community and there is some really great people out there doing and we kind of harped on bad quality work and bad rubber and stuff like that, but there's some real gems yeah. out there, you know? Yeah. And 
if you look for it and, you know, if you're not in Colorado and we're not the guys to restore your car, well, we can certainly point you to the guys who can, lots you of know, resources, yeah. because there's lots of resources out there and there's lots of great people. Yeah. Um, and thanks for doing what you're doing too. Yeah. I watched some of your podcasts last night. And well, we're it's, big, it's cool, man. Yeah, it's, yeah. We're big fans of the show. You know, we're really excited to be here. We get, we owe a big thank you to Brian. Yeah. Um, because sure. I think he connected us, you know, so. Yeah. He was like, um, Hey, I know those guys. Guy. He's a real big local enthusiast. I mean, every car show we try to get out to here locally, Brian's always there, and he's a really great guy. So we go a huge thank you to him, and we've, we've been big fans of the show, so we're really glad we got to be on here and finally yeah, connected. I know great. we were a little bit of pain in the ass trying to get nailed uh, no down. Worries. Listen, divas are like that, bro. I'm used to it. Listen, when it, when, when the paparazzi's chasing the divas. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 but no, yeah, it's, yeah. It, you know, I, I know some of the people that have been on on the podcast too, and I know some of those guys are hard to pin down. So yeah. props to you for being persistent. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, there's still a lot of people out there chasing, but also, you know, the the with what we do now, and you know, the the being able to bring this level of 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 media out to the average consumer, it saves you guys hours on the phone. A and B, people people kind of get a, a feel for who and how you are and. And, and all that, which is really, it personalizes a lot of stuff. So maybe the original hurdle getting over, like, do I trust these guys? What's their deal? You know, what can I, what, what, you know, what can I expect? And it's been, you know, it, it's been great. Like the one that I did with Brian, which was great. It's, it's a lot of people clarified questions of what it takes to import a car. And, and, and for some people, you know, th- they feel it's out of reach, but, and then a lot of people have, from that podcast have been like, man, you know what? I'm going to reach out to him because I already feel like I know the guy and then I'm just going to. So sometimes we put these barriers up. We're like, Oh no, man, those guys from Lufcraft, they make $2,600 steering wheels. I'm not calling those dudes. You know what I mean? But like, it, it's a, it's a different thing, you know? And, and I think it's important. That everybody knows that you guys cover the spectrum, man. So if somebody's got something they're working on there in Colorado Springs or nearby and, and they need some help with something, you guys, if you can't do it, you can help them with it. And it, you don't just do, titanium steering wheels but it's nice to know that you do do that you know right yeah the, the steering wheels are kind of like up, up oh, here yeah. oh, yeah. level of effort and cost most of our products are actually you know right right in line with with some of the other high-end stuff so no absolutely well for sure uh your guys website for people to check out your stuff loofcraftfab.com loofcraftfab.com and yep. you guys are all over instagram um yeah man Thanks for coming on the podcast, guys, and uh, we'll look forward for to, to to having you guys on again in the future. Thank sounds you so good. much. Appreciate it. And we'll it. be hitting you up for some of the shows. That sounds like a fun time. No, yeah, man, absolutely. I'm game, man. You give me a couple days heads up, man, and I'll clear the schedule. We'll do it. All sounds right. Great. We'll do it. Cool. Thanks, guys. All right, Bill. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks. If you guys like that podcast and appreciate the work that goes into bringing you this content, make sure you support Let's Talk Dubs by going to letstalkdubs.com and going to the store. Go to the store, pick up some shirts, a hat, or just a sticker pack. I've also got new stickers coming out, and uh, those get thrown in with every shirt purchase. Also, now is the time of the podcast for some shout-outs. So, first shout-out goes to Arby's List. He says, this is the podcast you're looking for. And he says, Bill's an awesome host. Uh, He's talking to the heavy hitters, talking to the up-and-comers, and he likes when George T. shows up on the podcast. And then the next one was Stu Wem. Stu Wem says, educating. You know, when you live out in the middle of Illinois and there's no VW scene in your town or even in your county, really none at all, it's really nice to have Let's Talk Dubs available to get your VW fixed. Bill T does a great job. 
And then finally, Fuel530 says, best, best podcast of any genre, reaching audiences ranging from complete VW nuts all the way down to enthusiasts new to the hobby. Bill T not only offers his vast knowledge, oh, you're welcome, but interviews some of the VW community's most prolific individuals. This is not just a podcast to listen to. He says this is the podcast to listen to. And I appreciate everybody posting up their Spotify stats of what they've been cranking on this year. Uh, it's great to have so many fans that enjoy the podcast, enjoy the work that goes into it, because I love doing it, man. And I'm looking forward to getting out there this next show season, being on scene at some of these shows, and getting to meet a lot of the listeners, man. Uh, until next week, guys. Later. Station.